Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. I tell people all the time, the less you sell, the more you will sell. Be helpful to people. When you're helpful to people, they're going to engage with you more deeply than when you're pulling out a business card and you're, you're trying to sell them. Today on episode 582 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the founder of Brainswell Media, Ryan Dorn. I'm going to ask Ryan what consultants and coaches who have never had to market or sell themselves should do to generate new business and much more. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Ryan along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy Award-winning sales and performance speaker. His sales and marketing ideas have impacted over half a billion dollars in revenue for his clients. Ryan was one of the youngest managers to ever work for the Walt Disney Company. His ideas have been used by Fortune 500 companies like Boeing and John Deere. Ryan is a drummer, a lover of good coffee, and is a closet technology geek. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Glad to be here and, and uh, so thrilled to be able to talk my favorite topic, sales and marketing with you. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure to talk about this as well. It's a very important topic for business owners and in particular for consultants and coaches. Um, before we get into the, the sales and marketing, let's talk a little bit about your own background. So you spent a long time in corporate. Clearly, you had some major successes, like I mentioned in, in the introduction, being one of the youngest managers to ever work for, for the Walt Disney Company. And then you went out, went out on your own. So can you just provide a little background on sort of your, your corporate history and what caused you to go out on your own? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's a matter of crisis, uh, David, when people uh, launch out on their own. And it wasn't for me. It was a thoughtful process of what can I do as I'm involved in corporate to be ethical, to be honorable to the person that I was working for and exit smoothly and exit gracefully. And so my program, if you will, that um, I developed to exit smoothly and gracefully from, from corporate was really based around a program of consistency and trying to create some, some thought leadership. So I was fortunate that I had the opportunity to get involved with various conferences and be able to speak on behalf of my company at conferences, speak on behalf of my company on podcast, um, have articles written on behalf of my company, and it allowed me to be able to really get my name out there in sort of, if you will, a thought leadership you know, kind of way. What really began to occur, and I encourage people to consider now that we're going to be getting back to some level of normalcy, whatever that means, I encourage people to really consider you know, looking at what are ways that you can be ethical, honorable, honest, et cetera, with your current employer, benefit them by having articles written, doing video podcasts, regular podcasts that get your name name out there. And what happened, David, is that um, different uh, folks uh, began to say, can you help me? And I would say, well, I really, I can't because I'm currently em employed, but at some point in time, you know, I'd love to be able to, to help you. And I've, I started cataloging those people and keeping track of those people 
in sort of, if you will, like a MailChimp database, you know, kind of thing. And then as I got closer to being able to exit gracefully from my my current employer, uh, or at the time, the employer, then I was able to contact those folks and say, hey, I am going to be moving out to my on my own. Are you still interested? And thankfully, uh, many of them said, yes, we are. We are interested. So I really started as I met people, started keeping a bit of a database so that I had those folks to reach back out to in some capacity. That's really how that transitioned. So for me, it was actually pretty smooth and pretty graceful to move out on my own. Mm. So in your case, you were generating awareness about your skills, capabilities, and ideas, and then you started tracking interest of those who were who became aware of you, and you um, nurtured relationships with them that helped build your business. Indeed. And I think it's one of the most important things to think about. A lot of people think of transitioning and, and they don't they don't really think of the definition of the word transition. <laughs> it should be uh, a moderately smooth process. Instead, a lot of people say, okay, so, you know, in 2021, at the end of the year, starting 2022, I'm done and then I'm going to start. The problem with that is you need more runway than that really to be successful unless you have access to a 401k or something you're going to dip into or a, a rich uncle or, or something like that. So what I encourage folks as they think about this is, first, you want to do something, obviously, that you're passionate about, because once you leave corporate, you're going to have a lot of great, great experience. But you want to have a bit of a runway to work yourself up on. And uh, I'm a you know a pilot along with my, learned from my father-in-law that's a retired Air Force. And he always said, Ryan, there's, there's nothing better than the feeling of seeing plenty of runway in front of you, whether you're taking off or you're landing, you know? And so you've got to think about that. The transition should be smooth and graceful, and in my opinion, well thought out. So as you meet folks, you begin to develop a, develop a network. Whatever system you use, maybe it's even Excel or a Google Doc, keep track of those folks. And then what I would do, you know, once a year or three or four times a year is just reach out to folks. How are you doing? How are things going? There's nothing wrong with giving thought leadership to folks, you know, even if it's you're not being paid at the moment, just to keep that, that network alive. Now, don't confuse that though, David. I'm not suggesting we work for free, but as I'm transitioning, I still was keeping in front of people and, and visiting with them and sharing ideas with them so that when I did leave, it was a pretty natural transition for me to be able to open my consulting practice. Right. The, the runway is a really important idea to keep in mind because I know from many of the conversations that I've had with with guests on both of my podcasts that it takes time to build up a consulting or coaching business. And for the folks that do start without having developed any kind of runway, it's often a couple years or even longer before they feel like they've developed something that seems sustainable and is generating consistent revenue. It also puts you in a situation of angst and, and stress that you don't need nor do you desire, especially if you're going to be retiring from corporate. Now, you know, I didn't retire from corporate as much as I just moved away from corporate because my heart's desire was to be helpful to people. And so for me, it was a bit by accident, I'll be honest, David, that as it, it kind of worked out, as I decided to transition and leave corporate, I was talking with enough folks on a regular enough basis that I felt confident that uh, if I called on them to say, I am going to stop working my corporate job at the end of the year and start my consulting company, that they said, yeah, I mean, we're really interested. 
I would like to point out one thing, though, also, David, and that is I was very fortunate uh, to have a partner that, uh, you know, my wife has never said no to to an idea that I've had. So I also had that background as well, where she was behind me rooting for me. But I also shared with her, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the the groundwork that I'm laying in place. So start that thought process early, and that way you can transition out in a smooth and and, and graceful way. No need to burn bridges. Right, right. And the other thing is, I would imagine that even if you are not necessarily planning to go out on your own, it probably can't hurt to develop your own personal brand and develop some thought leadership and relationships around that thought leadership. For sure. The network you have is going to be everything. And I think that folks say that and don't really think it completely through. The network you have is so unbelievably valuable that you should start immediately now beginning to build that network. What is what what does it look like if you happen to be a member at a country club or, or a church or whatever your circumstance is? The goal that I set with my wife as well, whenever we go to a party or we go to a gathering or let's leave this gathering with at least two good acquaintances. Let's let's look for two good acquaintances. And then let's also look for opportunities, the people that we do know, let's look to help them expand their network as well. One of my secrets in networking is when I go to a gathering of any kind, I look for the lone stranger. I look for that person that may be standing by themselves, not engaged with anybody. It's been a secret. I teach this a lot in workshops. I look for that person standing by themselves. And that has has worked for me for years because they're by themselves. Maybe they're a little scared to go talk to others. Some of my deepest and best friendships and business clients have come from that lone stranger kind of you know idea. Always go in, look, okay, who's standing by themselves and go and talk to them because it's so meaningful to them that you picked them out of the crowd to engage with. And that's just a little nugget of, of a, a secret there for you, David. Yeah, I have actually found the same thing, Ryan. So I, I couldn't agree more. Good, good. Ryan, as you were developing your thought leadership while you were still employed and developing relationships and having conversations with people that became part of your network, how much of that informed you about where the best niche would be for you to focus your business on once you launched your business? It was vital and critically important, and I was always had my antenna up, David, to be listening very carefully. What are the common threads or the common pain points that I hear when I'm talking with folks? And what I was able to identify moderately quickly is that sales was a pain point and that marketing was a big pain point. Um, this is 15 years that I've been out of my own. Marketing was a really big pain point because 15 years ago, um, the internet was not what it is today, and, and nor was digital marketing and things like that. So when I found those two pain points and started hearing a common thread, it did align with my background, which was which was excellent. But more than that, I started paying attention to the fact, did these people need a consultant or did they need a coach? And they're two different things. And so I realized that even though I became a certified coach, I realized that what people wanted was a mentor or a consultant. They wanted someone that could download information to them. And when I realized that, I didn't so much find myself being a coach where I was helping them discover their, you know, their path or their passion 
as much as people just wanted someone to download information. So I share that to make a point, and that is a lot of times folks will say, I'm looking for a coach. And what they're really looking for is a mentor. (laughs) They're looking for someone to help them do the work. So um, it's not that I don't have coaching clients. I do. But I'm very clear with people. Do you really want a coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, a coach is someone that's going to help you self-discover. I'm going to ask you questions to help you discover the answer. Oh, yeah, no, I was kind of hoping that you would give me the answer. Coaching is more meaningful when someone discovers, David. But a lot of times what I found is people just wanted the answer. So as my business has matured, I'm doing a lot more coaching. As my business began, I was doing a lot more consulting and mentoring. And I think that's fine as long as you recognize the difference between the two. Right. Do you find that there's a difference in profitability between coaching, consulting, and mentoring? I do, because with coaching, if you're really doing pure coaching, David, you don't have to have the answer. You just have to be able to ask really great questions. So there is some comfort in that. But the problem is the vast majority of clients that I meet or prospective clients I meet, they don't know the difference. So I always like to ask them and then just give a little explanation. What happens is that over the course of time, you do develop a coaching relationship with them where you begin to ask them questions and and they start finding some answers themselves. But I would say that in the very beginning or in the beginning of that relationship, a lot of it is downloading information and doing a lot more mentoring and doing some of the work for them. Now, I have transitioned away from doing the work. Like, I don't punch the keys. I will give advice. So I tend to be more of an advisor on one side and then a coach on the on the other side. Mm. Do you think your ability to play these different roles has changed with your experience as a business owner? It has. Over the course of time, I'm able to now, I believe, more effectively wear the coaching hat because I can ask better questions based upon my background. I have a bit of an online disagreement going with some folks that are professional coaches because some coaches believe, I think this is an important conversation, some coaches believe they can coach anybody. And I'm not disagreeing that they can't. Obviously, there's sports coaching. That's not what we're talking about. I do believe to a certain extent you can coach anybody to a certain extent. However, I do believe I'm going to be a better coach on sales and marketing because I know the questions to ask because of my background in that that area. My preference would be to work with a coach that has a background that is more in alignment with what I'm trying to get done than just to work with somebody that, hey, I can coach anybody because I want to be asked better questions to find answers faster and and make make the conversations even more meaningful. But I switch hats and I declare that. So, David, if you and I were were coaching and I was asking questions to help you self-discover, I would say, and, and I needed to mentor you, I'd say, David, if you don't mind, I'd like to take my coaching hat off and I'd like to, to give you some, some answers. I've never had a client say, no, keep the coaching hat on. <laughs> They're like, sure. So then I, I say, I'm taking the coaching hat off. Let me mentor for a minute, get that through that and say, now, may I put it back on? Now, Classically trained, professional, certified coaches will say, don't do that. And I understand why, but I find my clients benefit from it. And my clients benefit is why I'm doing this. So I'm willing to kind of go back and forth. (laughs) Uh, Makes total sense to me. Uh, (laughs) So Ryan, so since your expertise is in sales and marketing, what advice do you have for consultants and coaches that have never had to market or sell before? Man, it's tough. 
especially if you're not a techie type of person. Now, I'm fortunate that I've always loved. I when I built my original website, my wife and I wrote an HTML code um, by hand. We were broke. I downloaded half the book, so I built half a website because the other half. They wanted you to buy the book online. I, I didn't have, even have a credit card with enough money on it to, to, to buy the book you know, at the time. And so I had a bit of an advantage because I'm kind of a techie person. There's three areas in sales that you have to differentiate to stay on track. The first is you've got people you're going to prospect, and those are folks within your network. I tell people all the time, the less you sell, the more you will sell. Be helpful to people. When you're helpful to people, they're going to engage with you more deeply then when you're pulling out a business card and you're you know and you're trying to you're trying to sell them. So that's kind of the first piece is to recognize there's a prospecting piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle is when you're trying to sell your services is to make sure that when you're doing that you're doing it in in more of a self-service kind of format. People can come to your website. They can see testimonials from your past clients. They can see videos of you. They can see the different pictures of your clients to see, you know, what do these folks look like? You want to get permission from people to be able to feature videos of them saying nice things about you and things like that. People don't mind buying David. They just hate being sold. So in that second phase, the first phase, that prospecting is networking and meeting people. And then they're going to take your business card and they're going to go to ryandorn.com or whatever your website is. And then you want to have a nice self-service sales environment because they don't want to talk to you as a salesperson. So then once you sign the deal with them, that third stage, though, is the retention stage. Everyone forgets about this. And that is love. It is showing people how much you love having them as a customer. I uh, have the Masters Golf Tournament here uh, in town and uh, where I live here outside Augusta. So every year I spend, um, according to my accountant, an absorbent amount of money on buying little things from the masters uh, to give to customers is so meaningful. Or listening, what do they love? What are things that they like? I've got a gentleman that I've been working with for years. He's um, uh, gluten-free. So whenever I come across gluten-free stuff, I send him, you know, those type of things. Got another guy, Jonathan, loves hot sauces. Every time I come across a cool hot sauce, I send it to him. So there's that third piece of retention that everyone forgets about. It's it's so important that it's showing your customers love. So if you take those three components and you work hard uh, within those three components, I think you've got a nice, you know, uh, start to a sales process. Right. It also triggers a question in my mind, which is, I know that many consultants and coaches, when they're first starting out, they struggle to figure out what business model Mm -hmm. is going to work best for them. Not just what business model is going to actually bring in business, but what business model is most suitable for the business owner. Can you talk a little bit about what your experience has been trying to figure out what business model to use? The biggest thing is, great question, the biggest thing is just trying to make sure first and foremost that you're not just doing something that's going to make money, but you're doing something that you're very, very passionate about, that you're aligned with a circumstance, a topic, or a situation that you're really passionate about because you're going to, this will become, you know, your full-time gig. And if you don't like it, then it's going to be pretty darn miserable. Even if it pays the bills, it's just not going to be fun. But the other thing is on that is stop trying to be Walmart. You know, don't don't try to be something for everybody. You walk in that store and there's basically, you can find anything. When you're trying to figure out what your niche is, it's not as much about who else is in that niche. It's a lot of it is, is this a niche that you can own, that you can really have some authority in? 
Um, is it a crowded space? Uh, for example, people would say, well, sales, Ryan, sales is a very, you know, uh, crowded space. Well, I mean, you've got to isolate where in sales do I work? I do a lot with technology companies, a lot with media companies. So I've kind of niched my niche, uh, so to speak. And so the model, you know, is a lot of times based around your desires in terms of making money. What type of money do you want to make? How much time, you know, do you want to spend and, and you know, and be aggressive towards this? And then also what's your budget? Because a lot of times the model that you put together is going to be very dependent upon how much money can you spend on the marketing side of things. So passion is the biggest thing. And uh, in, in, in my opinion, is what you're going to be doing for a very long time. That makes a lot of sense. So Ryan, you've been at this now, you said, for 15 years in your own business? I have. I have. And it's been, I would say there's ups and downs. COVID was, you know, was for a lot of people, this was the biggest down. For me, it was the biggest up. I'm always on the on the look for opportunities that uh, arise that allow me the opportunity to kind of be first to market with, you know, with things. So COVID for me, while although it was, you know, physically was hard having COVID, for me, the opportunity was I was able to offer a rate that made sense to people and meet people virtually and do everything in a virtual environment as opposed to a to a live environment. So my business expanded dramatically uh, during COVID. But I also am just really an absorber of information. And I'm always looking for what's what's an opportunity that really you know makes sense. But my biggest driver of business has been LinkedIn. And that's where I find um, my ability to connect with people is not on Facebook. Uh, Twitter has been on LinkedIn. And that's where I have been able to build a nice presence uh, from a thought leadership perspective. And I was able to do it on a on a bit of a budget as well. That sounds great. Ryan, what's, what's your dream for your business? I would say that um, I, there's, there's nothing for me to sell because when Ryan Dorn goes away, then the business really goes away unless I can figure out one of my sons that wants to, that wants to take it on. The dream really would be to uh, get to a point where we've got enough, you know, if you will, oars in the water um, that I can cut back a little bit on the time, raise my rate just enough so that it still makes sense uh, to be out there. Because nothing, if you start, you'll never be able to raise your rate. You can always bring it down, but it's very tough to raise it. (laughs) So I think the dream would be to get to a point where I've got some of my core clients that are on longer term subscription based programs which maybe we, we could talk today or at another time about, and be able to work with people that I want to work with, not with people that I have to work with in order to pay the bills. Yeah. Oh, that's a, a great vision. Ryan, if someone wants to go deeper with um, anything we've discussed today or learn more or access any resources you have, where would be the best place to go? Well, I'd love for folks to uh, you know to connect. Let's connect on LinkedIn would be a great way uh, to start. And my last name is D-O-H-R-N. But then, of course, they can head over to Ryan Dorn, D-O-H-R-N.com, RyanDorn.com. And, and my first 30 minutes with folks uh, is always free. My first 30 minutes has always been free. And there's a little tip for you as well. Uh, get a program where you can book on, people can book on your calendar. And I always give my first 30 minutes for free. And um, I never, ever ask someone to sign up at the end of that call. Um, I always just say at the end of that call, if this has been as good for you as it has been for me, I'd love to reconnect with you, but my first 30 minutes is always free. 
Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share your insights. It's been a great discussion about your background, your transition from corporate into your own business, um, what you've done to create a successful business, and some great advice for consultants and coaches that are trying to do the same. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My guest today has been the founder of Brainswell Media, Ryan Dorn. Thank you again, Ryan, for joining us. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned what consultants and coaches who have never had to market or sell themselves should do to generate new business and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.